With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to visit WorldwideGolfShops.com today to get some of the best deals on all the major brands in golf equipment and apparel. In fact, you'll probably find a lot of stuff that you'll hear from the brands that we have every week on our show. Once again, that's WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow us all over social media at Golf Unfiltered and send us an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Hello to our friends who help make this podcast possible every single week, including our friends at thehackersparadise.com and to those of you listening to this on the THP mobile app. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland and Srixon Golf, still loving their equipment, still playing their equipment. You guys know the story there. Be sure to check out all the great stuff they've got going on at Cleveland and Srixon. Folks, today is a first for us, uh, over 200 and some odd episodes. This is the first guest that we've had from Titleist Golf, and his name is Mr. Michael Mahoney. He is the Vice President of Golf Ball Product and Marketing over at Titleist. And he and I go into a lot of discussion. Uh, we, we were originally going to talk a lot about the Pro V1, and we do. We do touch on the Pro V1 here quite a bit. Uh, but we actually go a lot deeper into the whole marketing side of the product and product development. And as you know how this podcast has evolved over the years, uh, we really do talk a lot more about the business side of things. Certainly there are a lot of great products that come out every single year, uh, sometimes multiple times a year, and we want to know all the ins and outs of those products. But it's also important to understand how those products are developed and how they are sold and marketed to you and me, the consumer. We are the most important people in this whole equation because without us, none of these companies would be possible. And so Michael does a great job of going into some of the thought process at Titleist regarding many different topics. And we don't hold anything back in this conversation. We touch on the hot topics that everyone's been talking about. And yes, we even do touch on the ball distance debate a little bit. But before we get into the conversation, if you like what we do here, I remind you every week, or at least I try to, <laughs> go out and do me a favor. I could really use your help with something, folks. If you like this show, if you like all the stuff that we do here at Golf Unfiltered, please go out and rate the podcast. Go out there, leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review. We take that very seriously, and it would really help out not only the podcast itself, but also allow other listeners who haven't heard the podcast before, because what that does, what that rating does, is it actually helps push our podcast up the ratings a little bit and the rankings to uh, let other people hear what we've got going on. So, so if you could do us that favor, that'd be fantastic. In the meantime, sit back and relax and listen to this conversation that we had with Mr. Michael Mahaney of Titleist Golf. 
Hi, this is Bill Hobson from the Four Golfers Network podcast. And as you and I enjoy this episode of Golf Unfiltered with my friend Adam, I'm reminded of an indisputable reality. We, as golfers, are nuts. We chase a small ball around the planet, spending thousands of dollars in the effort to get that ball into a tiny hole. We then yell at the ball and curse it when it doesn't listen, even though it can't listen, it's a ball. This insanity is all part of the magic of the game, and it's what we celebrate on the Four Golfers Network podcast every Monday when a fresh episode comes your way on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, you know, all the places. So after you finish listening to Adam today, I'd love to have you check out the Four Golfers Network podcast, that's F-O-R-E, where we celebrate the game with top-name guests and an exploration of the things about golf that both drive us crazy and bring us back for more. I stink! The ball is just sitting there, and I can't hit it! Welcome back, folks. As I mentioned at the top of the show, excited to welcome the first guest that we've had from Titleist Golf, actually, now that I think of it, Mr. Michael Mahoney. He is the Vice President of Golf Ball Product and Marketing over at Titleist. Michael, did you know that you had that distinction? I didn't, although I'm a little more nervous now, Adam, that you're, <laughs> you're giving, me, giving me that news. They kind of hit me out of... Uh, with the surprise uh, honor of being the first Titleist guest on. I'll see if I can uh, hold it up for the brand here tonight. I'm sure you'll do quite fine. And I actually didn't even realize it until just a, a second before I, I said it. I was like, hey, I don't think we've ever had anyone from Titleist on, but I'm glad that we've had the chance to do so now, and we are here uh, today to talk a little bit about the Pro V1. But, Michael, before we get into that conversation, why don't you let us know how long you've been at Titleist and in the golf industry? Sure. Wow. So it's an easy answer because it's the same for both. I'm, um, I've been at, at Titleist actually just, um, it was nine years this month. Um, so um, I came to Titleist. I'd been in um, the footwear industry. I'd worked at a, a couple of different jobs within the Adidas group, um, primarily at Reebok and Rockport um, prior mm-hmm. to that. Um, but, you know, was a lifelong golfer. And so when uh, the opportunity to come work a Titleist um, sort of found me. I was really, really excited, and it's been it's been a blast being here for nine years. And so, within your uh, realm of responsibility over there as the VP of Golf Ball uh, Products and Marketing, what are some of the other things that you are responsible for? Yeah, so we I have responsibility for it's it's a it's a fun job because it marries two things that I. I really enjoy um, in that um, on the product side, uh, my team of product managers has responsibility for really taking products from the concept and sort of, um, you know, the lab phase down in R&D, working with all of our R&D team and bringing them from that phase all the way to when they end up in golf shops. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big part of that process is, is being in close contact with golfers from you know the, the best players in the world to um you know a uh, 25 handicap who plays on the weekends and is just trying to you know get better and and maybe break 100 once in a while and so um it's a, it's a really fun job on the product side we get to do a lot of interesting work and then from a marketing perspective um and I have responsibility for really how we bring the, uh, everything to life for the Titleist golf ball brand, whether it's advertising or, um, you know, the displays people see in shop, mm-hmm. um, our, our golf ball fitting and education program, um, all the things you kind of would think about as a traditional marketing um, piece of, uh, of the golf ball business. 
Now, it's interesting because as somebody who works closely with both the product and the marketing, and that makes sense, obviously, from a business standpoint, I've always wondered, though, is it much different from other industries where one become, comes before the other? In, in other words, would you be uh, yeah. thinking ahead of what the marketing plan might be while the product's in development, or how does it- that work? That's a, I, it's a really interesting question, Adam, because we, you know, I think that that's probably, you get a different answer. Um, I think you probably get a different answer almost from every company. Mm-hmm. I, I would say mo- probably most companies would want to, um, particularly in a, in a podcast uh, like yours, say, well, we're, we're really a product-centric company first and foremost. Sure. Um, I, you know, I, I think though that's not always necessarily the truth mm-hmm. and i'm not that's not necessarily a golf statement that's a just a i think it's just a a consumer product statement i think the thing i it's been interesting for me being a titleist has been you know, i've really only worked um you know i've only really had three places that i've worked in my life um i worked very early in my career almost 20 years ago um at um emc big mm-hmm. tech company and then i went on and worked at at, at the Adidas group. And I thought the Titleist would have a culture that was much more like Adidas than it would be like EMC. And it's actually been sort of the opposite in that EMC was a very R&D product-driven company that, that focused on delivering, you know, innovation that would serve the consumer, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that case, big businesses and um, financial institutions and that sort of thing. But um, I think Titleist, you know, being a vertically integrated, meaning, you know, we, we have a big R&D department that, you know, 80 people always working on making new things in the golf ball space. We own all our own manufacturing. Um, we spend a lot of time work focused on, you know, processes and, and how we're going to ultimately make the product better mm-hmm. and to a higher quality standards. That tends to lead the day. And, and you know, when it comes to thinking about um, how we bring our brand to life for golfers. I mean, I think that is a lot of times reflected in our marketing um, in that, you know, sometimes I think sometimes we get criticized for maybe being, you know, kind of too down in the, Hey, well, let me tell you about, um, you know, the new thinner cover on the Pro V1 and people are like, hey, really, can you just tell right. me like why it's cool? You know? <laughs> right. So um, I, I think we probably fault on the side of being too product centric at times, and and um, in that that we're definitely a product company. Yeah, well, in the two, like I said earlier, I mean they they fit hand in hand. And what's really interesting about a product like the Pro V1 and the Pro V1X, I mean, this is a golf ball that everybody knows around the world. I mean, when you think of Titleist, you probably, one of the first few things you think about afterwards is the the golf ball. And when we talk about the new version or the updated version of something that everyone likes anyway, I'd imagine right. that's probably not a very easy thing to accomplish. No, and I think, you know, to that point, um, I think two things you said that are interesting, again, from a, from, you know, maybe a, a, a business case kind of nerdy standpoint, <laughs> right. that so much of what, I mean, when you, you're right, when people think about Titleist, they, they think about the golf ball and, um, you know, and we, we talk about this all the time between our different divisions, the club division, the ball division, our gear division. Um, the thing that's interesting about the golf ball division is while clubs has grown considerably over the last decade in particular, I mean, the club business has done really, really extraordinary things, um, be, I think, on the back of really good products. Mm-hmm. But still, if you think about 
how many golfers, if you just went up to a first tee on a Sunday morning and you stood there and you just asked every golfer who came through there if they'd ever played a Titleist golf ball, not whether they're playing it that that day, but just mm-hmm. if they'd ever played one, almost all of them would say yes. Sure. And so the experience of our brand and how people think about Titleist is very much driven through probably an interaction with one of our golf balls. And so, you know, we, I think you're right. When we think about trying to tell the story of a Pro V1, which is a, you know, a product that's been in the market for a long time um, and how we're driving innovation, not only do we wear the kind of the, the burden of saying, well, we want to make sure we tell this story well and, and articulate what's new and cool about it, but also knowing that, you know, this is a critical component of how people feel about the title of script and what the brand stands for. You mentioned the Pro V1 story, and uh, on Titleist.com, the website, listeners, you know what the website is, uh, there's this really good story about the Pro V1 uh, that is is posted up there, and it just talks a little bit more about what you were going into, Michael, regarding the the depth that you go into with working with tour players, where what I found to be most interesting was just how much feedback you use from them uh, via the prototype testing. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how, how that process works a little bit? Definitely, yeah. And I mean, I'm glad you highlighted that story. Um, uh, one of the, you know, our guys that, uh, who, who wrote that, Eric, internally, I, you know, I sometimes think when I, I like something a lot that we do, I'm like, I hope golfers like this because I sometimes feel like we're writing for ourselves. I think <laughs> that's the stuff that we kind of geek out on. I know but, how that uh, feels, I, believe me. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> Yeah, so I, for us, I think, like I said at the beginning, I think one of the things that we like the most about the the product side of what we do is the golfer interaction. We're fond of saying that our process starts and ends with the golfer in that, you know, from um, as soon as we launch a product, so if you think about where we are now in the, you know, late summer and, and we've had a new Pro V1 in the market for, um, you know, a little more than half a year, mm-hmm. We've already started collecting tons and tons of feedback and data from golfers um, to try to guide the process for where we go with the next generation. And that goes, you know, we, we do everything from trying to capture what I guess I would call big data and, 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 and really take lots of information in from, from golfers with big, big groups of, of, of golfers. It's really more of a, a data-driven exercise to the very, very personal one-on-one kind of conversations that we have with um, golfers of, of all walks of life. So, you know, that means from, um, you know, time we bring, you know, we've got somebody out on, on tour every single week collecting um, feedback and information from um, the PGA Tour players, but we also will bring uh, members of the R&D team out several times a year and do literally focus groups with PGA tour players, which is kind of an interesting thing. Have them sit instead of saying, you know, we're just going to talk to you for a few minutes on the range, have them sit in the room and talk to us about how, you know, what's important to them in a, in a golf ball, what, what their experience of playing the product they're playing currently is. Um, and usually we'll do it in groups of two or three mm-hmm. and they'll sit there for a couple hours. And it's really interesting, but we do that with then, you know, members of the team titleist will, um, we'll do a lot of prototype, um, testing. So the next phase, now that we've collected a bunch of data is we'll start prototyping. And, um, certainly many of your listeners I'm sure have been on a test panel before where they mm-hmm. receive a white box sleeve. And some of those will be 
really close to market. Some of them will be literally just a prototype that is trying to test some technology, whether it's a new construction, a new material, um, in an effort to better understand what the true golfer experience of what we may have seen in the lab is. It's it's the comments that we hear or even see on social. Oh, look out for the triangle ball. The, that's right, exa- exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting too because um, in reading this story, there's an anecdote in there from one of the players uh, that talks a little bit about this dynamic between distance and feel, and where everyone likes a little bit more length. Maybe you know on tour, I'm sure that's true as well, but certainly in the amateur circuit. Uh, but they also don't want to sacrifice the feel of a Pro V1. That, that's something that I feel is a little, uh, is, is that unique to the Pro V1? I think, you know, I think what we tend to see with players from the Pro V1, Pro V1 X, AVX category on down is that the as you move down in price and, and you move into... Um, lower categories, you tend to see people who become more focused on single attributes, whereas at the top of the house, people are expecting all things. And I think Pro V1 in particular is interesting because what we did in 2017 was Pro V1, you know, its its identity has essentially been the ball that is, you know, flies a little bit lower, feels softer, mm-hmm. um, and delivers um a little bit less short game spin and um and in 2017 we it also it all well and i should say it prior to 2017 its identity was also that it was shorter than pro v1 x um not significantly but you know x was the longer of the two golf balls through when we were able to deliver something in 2017 that got a pro v1 to get longer and become it parity with X and took distance off the table for golfers to consider as a, as a selection criteria mm-hmm. and not change those things, not say, well, we could have always said, well, we can make Pro V1 as long as X, but we, it has to become harder. And golfers said, well, that's not, that's not what Pro V1 is. Pro V1 is the softer of the two. So um, t- 2017 was a real sort of, um, it, it, w- it was a real critical turning point in probably the history of Pro V1 and Pro V1X. There have been lots of innovations if you look over the last you know, almost two decades of these products in terms of meaningful changes. And 2017, I think, was one of um, those really meaningful moments. I would agree with that. And I know that even in the testing I've done, and, and I just uh, it seems so consistent from one iteration to the next, but you can detect those subtle dis- differences that you just mentioned and certainly if you go out to titleist.com listeners you can see under the pro v1 uh section all of that is outlined in in good detail and michael you know one of the things that is really uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to call it regarding the pro v1 but i know that there's almost a uh, there's probably a better word for this but a stigma in insofar as it's an expensive golf ball sure. and and i i know that even with the the guys i play with usually Two of them play Pro V1s, another plays another, and I play another. But people who don't necessarily want to go and spend that much on a golf ball when they're being told that there are others that perform like it, I'd imagine that that's something that's always top of mind for Titleist. It is. And I mean, you, you, you know, we were got into the beginning of sort of that, um, that sort of duality with, within my job of product mm-hmm. and marketing. Um, 
you know, I think one of the things that that may, one of the reasons that my job is married together in the way it is is that you know the product in what we see. We te- you know the thing about I, one of the things that the Titleist I really like about us is that we're we're very data driven and we're very um, you know if you if you go and meet a lot of the R and D engineers and technicians. They don't tend to be emotional about it. Like they, they're not. They don't, you know, get worked up if they see a competitive ad claiming something. Generally speaking, if they see a competitive ad that claims something, they'll say, "Huh, I wonder if that's true. Let's go find out." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll yeah, go, right. you know, try to measure it. What then? They were they. The only times they ever get emotional about it is they look at us on the marketing side and they say, "We know that our product is doing this and that, and it does this and that better," or it's of significantly higher quality and consistency. We know what happens if you source product through a random factory in Asia, what you, what you get. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, marketing guys, go figure out how to tell golfers that story in a way that's meaningful to them. And, you know, so when it comes to, I think, selling golf equipment, consistency isn't necessarily the, the, the sexiest attribute that you want to put at the, as the headline. <laughs> right. But I think when you, when you actually unearth some of the realities of what we see in the equipment space in terms of consistency, in terms of quality, you go, wow, I can't believe what's out there. I don't think, you know, I, I, I think probably in speaking to your audience, we're talking to a, a much more educated mm-hmm. um, group of golfers than, than the average golfer. But I think you go to the average golfer, the expectation is, well, if, you know, if I buy a dozen golf balls and, you know, they're all going to be the same relatively in terms of performance. And, and you know, we know that, that and for some brands, that's just not true. Right, right. And that's something that I think is a big misconception that is needs to be cleared up among uh, brands, not only from the product side, but also from the marketing side, because I would Definitely. imagine, Michael, it's very easy to just throw something out there for, with a negative tone to say, well, everything that guy just said is BS. <laughs> right. Well, and and I think, you know, it's funny in the world we're living in today where uh, that seems to be just, you know, the trend whenever you turn the television on. Right, exactly. You know, well, I'll just yell louder than the other guy and hopefully that, you know, all, the most people will hear me. Uh, and I, that is actually, though, uh, you know, not to sound too Pollyanna or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's, it, that is, I think, one of the things that's really interesting. You know, when you talk about marketing, there's, there probably is some level of stigma attached to that. It's like, oh, well, you're, you're selling me something. You're trying to spin the story. I mean, Marketing is ultimately the bridge between getting, you know, what the product is into language and terms that the consumer understands so that they can make a decision about what they want to play, right? right. You know, and and so... Um, and you know, by the way, there, there's nothing wrong with wanting to sell your product, right? Of course, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right. Yeah, particularly if you really believe in it, right? I mean, going out and saying, well, let's tell a really compelling story because I believe in it. But I think that, that you know, that opportunity we have to try to um not just you know shout the loudest or um or or you know yell down the opposing point of view but um would legitimately bring to life things that we think matter or should matter to golfers in terms of what we ultimately are trying to do which is help them play better golf right 
right? And that's really what it boils down to. And that's what, you know, we talk a lot about getting fit here. And of course, golf balls fall under that category as well. Go out, get fit, find what's right for you. Would you say that with Pro-V, uh, Pro-V1 or Pro-V1X, that that reaches a pretty wide, it casts a pretty wide net over a large segment of golfers? I think that would be pretty safe to say. We certainly think so. I mean, we think between Pro-V1, Pro-V1X, and AVX that um, any golfer who wants to to play their best should be playing one of those three golf balls if you're playing a Titleist golf ball. That that they are, you know, we certainly believe that they're the best performing in the world, but we definitely think that any golfer who's looking at trying to, you know, score their best, ultimately what we're all chasing, that, that one of those options is the best. We've been doing, it's interesting, Adam, we, we can talk about fitting. We've been... Um, doing a little bit of a, a, a trial program. So, you know, we have um, golf ball fitting teams um, re- around the world actually now. But, you know, in the U.S., we have three teams that are running fitting events almost every day of the week, hmm. fitting golfers, we, we, and, and a one-on-one fittings. Um, and we fit just through those fitting teams we fit over 50 or 60,000 golfers a year. When you add in all the other fitting things that we do through product specialists, interns, all these different things, we, we reach, um, you know, into the hundreds of thousands of golfers um, every year. We've been trialing a little bit of a, this, this interesting program where it, we go to um, a club or a, a location, ask a pro who really knows um, the players that play at that facility to, high, you know, pick four, five, six players, mm-hmm. but to invite them into a what we would say is a tour-level fitting where not only will we do the standard work with you on the range, but then we'll go out and we'll, we'll walk the golf course with you just like we do with tour players and, and fit them into a golf ball um, and <laughs> make sure that it's really dialed in, they have the data to support it. Um, we've only done a handful of these and it's obviously not something we're going to, we would roll out it in a large, large scale, but the reaction from an everyday golfer, um, who goes through that experience is remarkable in terms of the impact I think that the fitting experience can have. So, I mean, that's at the very, very, you know, top of the, uh, the, the pyramid in terms of experience, but any golf ball fitting that you go through, um, we really are, believe going through one of the events that we run will, enlighten a lot of golfers and and if you haven't been through a fitting i'd highly highly encourage it it is definitely one of the best things you can do for your game in addition to getting your your bag fit i mean everything throughout your bag totally Um, yeah and and another budding trend you know we're talking a lot here listeners uh with michael mahoney he's the vp of golf uh, ball product marketing at titleist another trend that's coming up more and more michael is just the whole direct-to-consumer element and certainly there's so many different companies out there we've spoken to a lot on this show before and everything that you just mentioned about the fitting, the attention to detail, that that personal touch with the consumer, would you say that that's the main differentiator besides, or in addition to quality that you would get from a company like Titleist versus direct-to-consumer? Yeah, I mean, I, in fairness, I think to the direct-to-consumer brands, it's probably difficult to, to um, you know, just as we were speaking before, to try to paint um, all of them with a broad brush. Sure. I mean, I, I would say probably the the number one thing is, as you mentioned, I, that. And and by the way, I understand why. If if you know, you and I quit our jobs today and decided mm-hmm. we were going to go start a golf ball company, 
we'd have a hard time going and raising the amount of capital it would take to build our own factory, right? Sure, of course. Um, and so um, sourcing, you know, going and, and going to a third party and saying, I'm looking for a golf ball, can you make me one? Um, this is approximately what I want. It would be the place we'd probably have to start to get it, you know, so the, the costs of entry are high. Yeah. Um, but the but the result is that you you get what you pay for, and I think that that's that would be my biggest sort of I, I think in fairness uh, critique of most of the direct to consumer brands, or I guess all the direct to consumer brands, because I don't think there's any, there's any of them who are none of them are manufacturing their own ball, right. designing their own golf balls, um, they're sourcing them, and um, and what we've seen is just that the quality of manufacturing isn't where it should be. Um, and you know, I'd be the first person to tell you if there are, we are not the only person, people who can make a, a good golf ball in the world. Mm-hmm. We, I think, we make the best, but there are others who do make golf balls that are are of good quality. Um, but I, most of the stuff that comes that's sourced um, from third-party manufacturers, we see major inconsistencies, um, and that that's the the thing that I think for golfers is is probably one of the things that's most difficult for us to tell effectively and, you know, in just marketing without sounding like we're just, you know, either picking on the little guy or, you know, we're defensive, but it, you know, that's when conversations with golfers, when you can have it one-on-one and explain to them what it takes, um, it, um, it really is pretty enlightening. So, and it has all of this attention with the smaller brands, the, the less expensive brands, has that made, the approach to marketing more than just, Hey, you got to stick with us and not go with one of our bigger competitors. You know, I, no, I think what, I, I think what the, the, uh, one of the other things that uh, in this long precedes me, I mean, I think one of the things again about Titleist that, um, it can look at somebody who's been here for nine years and still feels like, you know, I walk around the halls and a lot of times I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm the new guy around here. Like I'm still just <laughs> yeah. trying to find the bathrooms um, compared to some people who've been here. Do they measure their, their service at, at titles in decades? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess what I would say though, is one of the great strengths of that is that we're, we're, we're pretty disciplined and pretty grounded in, in a set of kind of core values of, of what guides us. And so, and I think one of those, probably one of the the most consistent things you will hear from anybody from Titleist, is that we follow the golfer. And so, you know, as an example, if golfers are buying golf balls um, online and they want to want to buy them in that kind of environment, we we will follow the golfer. And you know, so for years and years and years, I and mean, we never sold direct to the consumer. Mm-hmm. We do today. You know, we we do sell direct to the consumer. Now, hmm. there's a difference between saying is it about direct to consumer or is it about price? Right. That's those. That's are, a good distinction. Yes. Right. Those are the you know the the selling model versus the pricing model are two different things. Um, but we um, so we you know we have said hey we want to make sure that we. Um, for golfers who want to buy that way, we're there, you know, for, um, it, so we, we remain, I think, very focused on saying what, what best serves the golfer and follow where they go. Um, you know, we still think the best way to buy golf equipment is through a golf professional or, you know, somebody who can talk to you about, you know, like you said, getting fit through your whole game, through your whole bag, including your golf ball, having a conversation with somebody who can make recommendations based on an understanding of what your needs are is, 
ultimately going to serve you best. So um, that's a, you know, we, we still are big believers in that. That's one of the best things I, I love about this game is because all of these companies work so closely together that I can't think of another sport that will give you so much information to actually help you play it better than, than golf. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I, I totally agree. I, I, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's one of the things that, in fact, probably the biggest challenge we ha- sometimes have from a marketing perspective is, um, you know, the, the how do we frame all the information that we have in a way that is ultimately not, um, you know, so again, you talk about your audience, um, you know, and I, you've got people who really dig into the detail, understand the nuances and, and, you know, and make really educated choices. The problem is when you provide those, that group with all that information, person is just one step removed might look at it and go i have no idea how to make a decision <laughs> yeah it's paralysis by analysis to, to a degree totally. I mean, yeah exactly yes there is such a thing as information overload folks so <laughs> choose wisely on the information yeah. that you get so. well we see i mean we see it every every week in and out even just on the pga tour where you know it is amazing to see that even in that world you have the same spectrum you have players who are just nuts about the data and about the fine tuning of the equipment and every last detail. I want to tell you how to design the golf ball and, you know, you should actually do this and that to, to redesign it. And then there are players who just walk up and go, well, you know, is it better? Great. Let me, let, let me, let me go play it. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And those guys are so good. I mean, they could, they could score well with, with pretty much any golf they, ball you they, have to, you know, and they, yeah. and they do well, they do the best with the best balls out there too. So, um, you know, Michael, I just have a, maybe one or two more questions here for you. And once again, listeners are talking to Michael Mahoney. He's the vice president of golf ball product and marketing over at Titleist. You know, obviously Michael, one of the hot topics, of course, regarding equipment this uh, time of year, it seems every time of year, uh, is just uh, is equipment going too far? And I know that mm-hmm, Titleist sure. has been very outspoken and and has taken a stand and is not just remaining quiet on this issue. I'd imagine that that also it plays a little bit into your marketing plan as well as how are we going to continue to sell this message of hey look you know yes longer is okay and whatever else you want to put into the products that you're you're pitching. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first thing I would say, uh, the distance um, debate, which is um, uh, a healthy conversation, I think the the thing that is probably serving golfers and the game, you know, I mean, we're, look, we are, the, all of this, the reason we, I think we get, everybody gets so passionate about it is because, you know, people, like, people who identify as golfers are are kind of a different walk of life, right? We don't, you know, somebody who plays um, basketball on the weekends doesn't constantly go around referring themselves as a basketball player, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, you meet somebody on on a Wednesday afternoon in the office who you haven't met before and they identify themselves as a golfer. You go, Oh, I've got something in common with this person. It's the connection to the game that I think we all love. So this, you know, I think we're all coming at it for, for really with great intention and reason. And so I think the more though, that we talk about this discussion of distance, um, I think the more it serves the game and that, um, you know, we're, it's a very complex issue. There's a lot of things that have contributed to distance growth over time. Um, and, you know, we, we, again, as I said earlier, I think our, our whole sort of way of thinking is to be really focused on data mm-hmm. to best understand, you know, what's 
contributing to distance growth, and we see that you know it is. It's comp- It's complex. It has, you know, from equipment changes to player changes to um, agronomy changes. Those are all. Uh, those are all contributing to to it. We still are definitely a big believer that innovation serves the game and golfers. Um, and, and and helps I think continue to grow the game. Helps continue to grow grow people's enjoyment of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know where we are right now is we continue to be in a really good, positive, healthy dialogue. As as you know, I think um, all are with the USGA and the RNA. And um, I mean, we but we remain very strong believers that innovation in equipment that helps um, people enjoy the game more. Um, serves the game really well, uh, but also that the distance piece of this, which again we we tend to take a much longer view and look at, you know, th- this is sort of ramped up over mm-hmm. the last several years. And I mean, if you look at the data again this year, distance is down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so taking sort of that moment in time that that caused a lot of discussion. Um, uh, we think we think it, we're better served looking more broadly at, at, at the issue, and and also broadly at, at what you know solutions might be, um, as uh, you know a lot of the solutions which sound good on paper um, can be very complicated to to implement, and not sure necessarily serve the game. Yeah, I, and I think that's the biggest point there too. Because I'll be honest with you, I mean, I've I've made stated my case regarding distance in the game and all that, and and I think it's it's it takes a moment to take a step back and really wonder, okay, well, what is it that we're actually asking for? If there was something like a rollback, we're to your point, we're hindering innovation to a degree, and that can't possibly be good for anybody. No, I don't think so. I mean, I and 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 like we said, I think the. The the I don't I don't first of all I don't think it 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 serves you know the vast majority of golfers in any way shape or form, um, but that would you know I think then the immediate jump is to well then maybe we should you know bifurcate the rules and um, not only do I not think that that really is you know kind of lives within the integrity of the game I think it also becomes very complex to implement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, I always, you know, the thing I always say to people is one of my f- absolute favorite things about golf and about, you know, some of the, well, I think everybody's favorite times of the year, whether it's the Masters or the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. the PGA Championship, is the the amateur uh, participation, you know, and like, so if if all of a sudden you said, well, so where do we draw the line? If if all of a sudden we have different sets of rules and different sets of equipment, does you know the the mid am champ who gets a, an invite to the Masters suddenly have to play with all new equipment because he's right. in the Masters? I don't think so, right? right, right you know? yeah. There's so many so other variables. There's so to it. many different variables. Yeah. So, uh, but all that said, I think that that's why we were happy that the 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 healthy discussion is happening. That people are presenting lots of different points of view because I think the more you know, hopefully the golf industry can be a lesson, like we were talking about earlier, to maybe a little bit of the broader world. And instead of everybody just, you know, yelling at each other with different points of view, <laughs> there's a lot more listening going on. And I know certainly from my perspective and what we're doing with, at Titleist and, and talking with the USGA, the RNA, and, and a lot, you know, a lot of interested 
um, bodies, whether it's you know uh, Augusta National or um, uh, PGA Tour. Um, there's a lot of listening going on, which is really great. Yeah, I, I, hey, listening's a good thing, folks. Believe it or not, instead of just it's being shockingly, alive. I know, <laughs> shockingly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is Mr. Michael Mahoney. He is once again, he is the vice president of golf ball product and marketing over at Titleist. Michael, I really appreciated this conversation, and I hope we can do it again in the future. I'd love to, Adam. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm happy to be the uh, the first, hopefully, of many uh, Titleist participants in uh, in your podcast. You, you you did well. Well, good job. <laughs> Thanks.